Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the In Repose podcast with your host, Caitlin of Caitlin Curiosity. In Repose is a space for us to have intentional conversations around our businesses, our homes, the products we use, the relationships we have, the experiences we have, and just life in general. And I'm so grateful you are joining me for yet another week of intentional conversation. I feel like my voice is still a bit froggy this morning, so bear with me. It will warm up. The vocal cords will warm up as we get into it. But I am a generator in human design, if you're all familiar with human design, and there's very rare days. I don't have this energy to go, go, go all the time. That is a big misconception, at least for myself. But yesterday, (laughs) actually this whole week has been one of those weeks where the switch is on. The fire, the fuel, the what, the ignition is on. I don't know what metaphor to use here, but it is out of this world. And last week, why I'm so lit up. Why are you so lit up, Keelan? I'm so lit up about my business right now. It's, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And I don't know if part of that is my Psych-K sessions that I've had with Bianca, which I'll leave her information in the show notes below They've been so amazing and transformative. And just, I'm so lit up about the updates that I've made to Intentional Income. So last week, we have three new additions. There's more coming. But last week's additions were the three new meditations, audios, practices for you to support you. So there's the Embodied Leadership Daily Practice. If you are needing support in having a tool that helps you really step into your power as a leader, especially in your business. Uh, The second one is calling community. That's a daily practice for calling in your community, letting your community show you, coming in with ease. I love them both. And the last one is pricing or clarity for pricing. And that is if you're having trouble coming up with prices for your offerings in a way that feels aligned to you because nobody else can give you that answer. You cannot price your worth. Spoiler alert, that's not possible. That is impossible as a business owner, whether you are a practitioner or offering product-based services. If you are pricing based on what you deem your worth, that's a skewed perspective. One, you are priceless, so there's no way you can put a price on yourself. And two, you're going to price according to your money stories. So I created this daily practice as a way to support you if you're or not a daily practice, you can use it as often as you need whenever you're pricing something. But to really, really to come to a pricing for your offerings that feels best to you, that feels energizing to you, that feels in alignment to you. And oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm just so lit up. So last night I worked like 13 or I don't know how many hours, 14 hours from the time I got up. I was so fired up. I've been working on this new free class that I'm teaching that I'm going to have in the show notes as well. That is how to build a community that converts because I was, I was able to take and this is what I get so fiercely passionate about and why I can't, I can't sleep is because I was someone who was able to take a micro following. I went from obsessing about the algorithm and engagement and I, I did. I had higher than industry standard engagement and likes and shares and views and all the things, all of the vanity metrics we are told to chase after. I had those things. But you know what else I had? It was $0 to my name because followers do not equal conversions. It's not this direct correlation that is so incorrect. There's such a process that comes with cultivating an actual community that converts. And I was able to have that $0 a month (laughs) every month And I was able to turn it into five figures a month with a micro following with 5,000 followers at the time and 1,000 email subscribers at the time, and then consistently grow my revenue and my community each month. So I just got so fired up of, of, I'm meant to teach this. I'm so, I'm so exhausted by this narrative that's put out that you have to have 10,000 plus followers before you can make a sustainable income, that everything depends on the followers and all the, all the apps you should be on and all the ways you should be. Oh, exhausting your energy. And it's so false. And so there is a new free course that you can sign up for. Again, it's in the show, it's in the show notes, or go to the website directly right now. If you're listening, you're like, now I'm ready to sign up. There's only certain times you can sign up each day. 
That's what I'm teaching them, CaitlinCuriosity.com, and it's just, it is hefty. It is thick. It is robust. Get your notebooks ready. Put your phone aside. Grab a coffee. Grab a snack. We get into it, and like all behind the scenes, all behind the curtain. You get to learn every, 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 every detail. There's no gatekeeping of information in there, so that is now live, and so last night, I've just been working on all of this stuff this week, and last night, I had one of those moments, this circle back to my original thought of this this generator energy of, I could, I was so tired, I was so tired, because I've also been waking up at five, working out, taking care of myself, and and just like using my energy in a way that feels so good, so excited about the projects that I'm working on, and there's like also another brand I'm building behind the scenes Oh my God, I'm so, (laughs) I'm so fulfilled. I'm so lit up. So I went to lay down and I'm like, I'm so tired. It's 8.30 or 9 o'clock. I'm so ready for bed. I did my grounding outside. I lit my beeswax candles inside for all of the negative ions before bed. And I could not fall asleep, one. I couldn't fall asleep, but I felt so tired. And my dear, wonderful partner, Daniel, has insomnia so Hey, this is something he experiences often and I'm, I never can understand it where I'm like, how can you not fall asleep if you're tired? Normally I can just, my, I lay my head on the pillow. If I'm tired, I go upstairs, lay my head on the pillow. I'm out within a few minutes, but last night I could not fall asleep and then I could not stay asleep. I woke up so many times just wanting to work. I just wanted to work. I was ready to, I'm, it's, it's as if I had drank an entire jug gallon of cold brew coffee and could not and I didn't (laughs) I did not so oh my word so I'm I don't have much sleep I woke up earlier than normal today again at five hopped out of bed already started working we're gonna record recording this podcast then I'm gonna do my workout it feels really good to be in this place in this space in this energy because again it's so it's so unpredictable and it doesn't it's not consistent this this energy that I have right now is not consistent and I want to normalize that as well because my business I am all about in my business why I started my own business why I work for myself one of one of the reasons is that it's so important for me that my business caters and supports and nourishes the ebbs and flows that I feel so when I am in this state of a high, high, so much energy, I let myself work. I let myself work as much feels good. And I can accomplish weeks worth of work, weeks within a day, two days, three days. And then eventually the energy is going to come down because it's just, that's its natural cycle. And I'm going to need to rest and I'm going to need to spend far more time outside or hiking, or just simply resting, simply nothing at all, because that's all I have the energy for. It feels exhausting to do anything else, and working for other people, and working in other positions, it was always really difficult for me to be able to honor that energy, because I cannot go, go, go all the time. I don't think most of us can, and it's it's really hard to have to consistently push ourselves through that burnout, and I have been desiring this this because one thing that I did I think makes it easier when you're in the ebbs and flows is when you have a team, is when you get to work in person together. I know when I worked on teams that it was it was easier to have a more consistent energy because I could get this I was in in the space of others, right? And I think a, a lot of us can feel that as we can we can kind of like chart recharge each other and motivate each other, but when you're a solopreneur, at, as I am at this point in time, sometimes it's it, it, sometimes it's just hard to really balance the energy. So I'm still in the process of figuring that out. But for now, I just honor exactly where I'm at and celebrate, just honor it. You know, not attaching one is better than the other. They're just both necessary. They're both here, accepting them both, honoring them both. And it's, it's that simple. So that is where I'm at today. This I didn't get to update you last week on house stuff. I just feel like wildfires, <laughs> this personal things that we have to talk about. So the wildfires got really, really close here. Not to say that they're not still close. They're still close. And they are about 17 miles away from, I wouldn't, they're not, 
they're about 17 miles away from the t- the town right next to us. So they're a little more away from from that. I it's important for me to to uh, not disclose my location out of safety reasons, but they're very close. They're so close in proximity that when I drove the other day to go to the grocery store, I drove out of out of town to go into the big grocery store. It's like a little over an hour away because they have a few different uh, natural stores that I go once a month into town to kind of stock up bulk items, yada yada. When I went there and drove through town, it was just a like just very real because there's a fire camp set up in town, which as much as I'm watching the fire updates every day from the crews and 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 having Daniel on top of it because he fights fires and he'll be on them soon. Oh, <laughs> as much as we, as much as I logically and intellectually understand that it's close and that it's a threat and that in an instant, if that, that's the scary thing. And in an instant, because nature has its own way, if a storm came through or it, the spot fire took off or there's so many unpredictable things that it could change in a, in a snap second and it's, I've had to prepare documents that in case we have to evacuate, I have those things ready, the list of what I would take to put in my car, all of those things. That was like the first step of actually mentally preparing, but then seeing an actual fire camp set up where there's, it's just, you see it and it's so much more real. I mean, clearly we see the smoke clearly, but when there's fire camps set up, I don't, I, obviously, I'm still processing that. It's just, it's so real. It makes it so much more real. And maybe that sounds so naive because I know it's real in my head, but when I see it, it's just a different experience. <sighs> and for me, all I can do is prepare to the best of my abilities and water the areas around us, keeping our home safe to the best of our abilities, preparing in the ways that I have control over. That's that's the route that I choose to take. And We've also still been looking for a house. We looked at two, well, there was two houses that we were, how should I say this? Where do we go in the story? (laughs) So there was two different houses that we were looking at that were very different. One was, one was what we would call a short-term solution and the other one would be a longer-term solution. So the short-term solution was there are definitely these moments that Daniel and I have where we just want to, we, we're just so ready to, to leave here. We're just so ready to be in our own space, beyond ready. And we don't have control over the real estate market. We don't have control over, we don't. And over the inventory here, we don't have control over that. And so some days we have those days where it's like, let's let's just buy the first thing we can find to get out of here. <laughs> so we had one of those moments because there was a house for sale that was overpriced, but really, really cute. It would be completely move-in ready. It has no land. It's in a really cute neighborhood. It's in a cute neighborhood, but it's in a neighborhood. Um, I mean, the benefits of it were it was cute. <laughs> In a cute neighborhood, completely moving ready. We wouldn't have to do a thing to it. But the downsides are that we would only be there for a few years. It would just be a solution to get us out of here. It would just be that short-term solution so that when we did go to sell it, most likely we would lose money on it because it's overpriced right now because of the market. And it's not somewhere we want to stay because it has no land. We really desire land. So... We were, we went and looked at it and it was, it was just that temptation of, yeah, you could have this, but let's think this through. And then there was another property that we had seen that was on a bit more land and it was a totally rustic cabin. It had, it was only two acres though. So it wasn't, two acres truly is for me my minimum, which depending on where you're at could sound really small or really big. (laughs) But for us, that's our minimum, like truly two acres at the minimum. We would love 10 acres, but because then that could be somewhere that we stay much, much longer. The less land it has, the less time we would really spend there. And so this, this property had two acres 
and it was a rustic cabin and it would need the carpets torn out and the renovating inside wouldn't be so bad. It was a pretty cool space and the land was beautiful except where it was located. Daniel just thinning up there and so where it was located, he he is familiar with it and he said it's really, really difficult to live in the winter as far as like it's really icy. It'd be really hard to get in and out. All of that, that was to consider, which for me isn't a huge thing. I'm like, that's fine. We can deal with that. But so when we call the real estate agent, the thing that deterred us from it and ultimately why we passed and didn't even bother taking the next actions is that it didn't already have water established on it. So that's that's something. There's a few different things. I think coming from the city, there's, there's so many things that I'm learning about real estate and homes and when you buy land and you can't you can't get a loan on land if there's not a house on it and even with this property because there was no water they couldn't give a loan on it is what the real estate agent said anyways the whole point was it would have been a lot more difficult and we'd have to put they said it did have capabilities to put a well on it but we'd have to get that inspected and to put in a well it's going to cost a lot of money a lot of money that if we're putting a big down payment on this house because we couldn't get the loan, blah, blah. It was just one of those things that it's, we'd be putting all of our money into this thing straight away. And that scares me. And the fact that it doesn't already have water. So it has like a composting toilet and no water. So if I were to pack up, if we were to buy it and I were to pack up my house and go move into it, I'd have no access to water. Not washing my hands, not drinking, not showering, not None of that. And that is, and just the cost of having to put a well in. And anyways, that's all to say that that was also just a a temptation that was, no, this is not the right fit for us. But in seeing these things, in, in having those discussions, in, in being able, I, I, why I want to share this is because I don't get discouraged by finding properties that could be or almost there or feel really tempting because with each one, it just gives, it just brings so much more clarity onto what we actually want. We can just define and stand more in that clarity of, oh yes, this is a must for us and this is something that we could live without for a while, for a few months, for a year, blah, blah, blah. So with every no, we just get closer to the yes. And I know that our house is out. I know it. I feel it in my bones. I dreamt about it the other night. I know it's out there. I'm impatient sometimes. I want my chickens and my dairy cow and my goats and my pigs. And yes, I'm getting all of these. <laughs> why do you think why do you think the land is so important? I want to be fully just spending time with animals all day long. Massive gardens. That is what I spend my free time doing is YouTubing homesteads. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I love it so much. And so I just, I'm so excited. And there's still, there's still just discomfort in renting from the place that we're renting in ways that I can't share. There's so much discomfort. But it's all happening in the time that it should and will and is supposed to. And I'm just, there's nothing I can do except keep getting, just staying true to the vision that we have and not being tempted by things that that just aren't in alignment for us and being really, really clear on what, what we do want. And it's out there. It's out there. It's waiting for us. <laughs> it's just not the right timing yet. So that is the house update. And Today's episode, I was thinking, so this is, I just feel like I have so much to share with you today. It's so great. I'm just so talkative. I loved the conversations from the bonus episode that came on Wednesday, or, or I'm sorry, that came on Sunday, that went live last Sunday. I had this, just this knowing come through and I wanted to share it and just this fire that wanted to talk about it, just looking this obsession with marketing ourselves as something that we're not and that disconnect and honoring exactly where we're at and transparency and truth. And I loved the conversations that I got to have after that. And if you have any questions about that, because I got a few questions that were like, great, I'm just starting my business though. And I feel like I have to market myself as the expert. And that's the biggest disconnect that's happening. And that's what makes this market so saturated. And that's what stops people from purchasing. So if you need that reassurance, I want to give that to you right now to anyone else who is thinking that when they listen to it is that your community doesn't want you to market yourself as anything other than what you are. And I see so many successful entrepreneurs sharing 
their process of how they're still a student. And there's no shame in that. And I don't, I don't, I, I just, I want to say that I don't understand why we're so obsessed with marketing ourselves as the experts when we're not there yet. And I, I, it's this feeling that we should and that we have to, but that's the thing that's going to stop your community from ever becoming clients is that they're going to feel that disconnect. They're going to feel that inauthenticity. They're going to feel that dishonesty. And the moment, the thing that's most attractive, the thing that you can do today that is going to be most attractive that you have to do day in and day out is commit to yourself and show up as yourself, showing up as you, seeing yourself first so that your community can see you too. And so much easier said than done, so much easier said than done. That's truly why I created the Embodied Leadership Daily Practice because I just, I could feel that disconnect in myself. I had so much shame and shadow around the word leadership and the way that I witnessed power was always, not always, but often in a very abusive or abusive way, abusive way. I mean, that is the the word. It was always in a way that it was, and that's not, I wanted to redefine what leaders and that power is and how we can do that from a loving place that is empowering other people, that is empowering ourselves and empowering everyone else around us, that we can lead, be leaders and be powerful in this loving, beautiful way too. And not in this dark, this dark way. And I'm not, I'm not saying this in ways of employers or bosses I'm saying it in different personal experiences that I'm not ready to share but I had to reframe that for myself and I just love the conversations that we had and this week I want to talk more about I want to talk about relationships and and specifically romantic relationships because that's something that I haven't really shared before and I would love to have Daniel on the podcast at some point and maybe he will he doesn't listen to podcasts. He is so different than me in so many ways. And I love that so much. And I think it would be just such a kick to get to hear that because we're so different in so many ways. So it's hilarious. <laughs> but he's also such a, such a talker that he, uh, as much as he gives shit for podcasts, he's very supportive of what I do, but he just does not listen to podcasts. He's such a talker, though, that I tell him all the time, like, you'd love to have a podcast because you love to talk. So I'll have to have him on sometime. But I want to talk about romantic relationships because I know there's so many, so many in this community that listen from all different, all different parts of the journey of either being single or being married or being in a committed relationship, wherever you fall post breakup, wherever you fall, I kind of want to talk about my journey with romantic relationships because it's been (laughs) such a journey. And I also want to talk about it from the lens of how I started dating Daniel in a way that wasn't using apps. That was, I want to hear more examples of how people met in real life. And that's how Daniel and I met in the introvert's dream because he literally showed up on my doorstep. So when anyone tells you, if you are an introvert and a hermit and someone tells you, you know, what are they going to do? Show up on your doorstep? Yes. You tell them yes, because it happened to me. Okay. (laughs) So Let's go back, 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 back. This has been such a journey and it's so wild to have to go back. But I was someone who, if we go back to like middle school and high school, I was someone who never, ever had, had, I was not, I was not dating. I was so out of place. It was such, I was, (laughs) I was just such a misfit in, in school. And like, I I don't want to say, I don't want to say a nerd, but I was just such an outcast. I was such a black sheep. I did not fit in through middle school. I did not fit in through high school. I, I, I was literally the girl that ate lunch in the library alone when I transferred high schools. I wanted to transfer high schools because of just bullying and never feeling like I fit in. That is all to say that I never dated anyone. I was not that person that had like boyfriends in middle school and high school. And it wasn't until my... I was 17 at the time and I had met uh, my first boyfriend at a party. So I was actually like, so oh, actually this is a scandalous story. So I was working at Abercrombie and Fitch at the time. I was 17. Every 17 year old girl's dream. <laughs> is it though? Really? <laughs> so I was working at Abercrombie and Fitch and I was like casually hanging out with one of the co-workers there. I wouldn't call what we were doing dating and we weren't hooking up. It was just like 
you know, making out here and there and like going to parties together. So we went to a party together and he had introduced me to a friend and I was like really attracted to his friend because I prefer brunettes. Like I don't, I don't want to say I have a type, but it's usually brunettes. I, I, I do, I do love a brunette. So I was really attracted to his friend. And when me and the guy that I was the coworker stopped hanging out, I, I pursued his friend and that was my first boyfriend and we dated for four nearly five years and that is the person that I co-founded the farm with that was the I moved out at 18 and I moved in with him first I think I lived with his family for a little bit if I remember correctly and I had Ava as a puppy and then we got our own apartment and then after that we worked on his family's farm for summer in Virginia that was the thing that changed my whole entire life. And when we moved back to Phoenix after that summer, we started, we got a house, this like crap house. And it just had like no landscaping in the backyard. I think it was a quarter acre of a backyard. And so we just completely transformed this rental house backyard into a uh, vegetable garden. We had that business. We ended up breaking up uh, and going our separate ways. That is when I moved in with my beautiful Nana and took Ava and Nova with me. Uh, but that was, that was yeah, my first real relationship. And it's, we were just so young, so young. I mean, we dated from the time I was 17 to what, 20, was I 22 yet? 22, I must have been 22, right? 22. I'm asking you right, like, you know, right? <laughs> so it was like nearly five years. And it was, we were just young. It was, that's all really all I can say. And I have such a bad memory that I can't really remember much of that. As we were young, we grew apart. We weren't the same people when we first started dating. And that's just such a pivotal time in your life that, that getting out of your teen years into your early 20s, I, and after that, once I moved in with my Nana, because I was this homebody, homesteader person at such a young age, like I really thought I was going to have a family at like 20 years old and, and all of, like I really, I had this different image of what my life was going to look like. And uh, so when I moved in with my Nana and became single, I didn't start, I did not start dating right away. I was single for a bit, lived with her. All I was focused on was like getting a job, getting myself together because my identity and myself was so tied up in that relationship and I didn't know who I was. So I really took a lot of his identity on. And so when I left that, it was discovering myself and I gave myself time. And then I was in my early 20s at that point, right? So probably around 24 is when I went, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done this after a breakup, but when you've kind of had one identity in a relationship, I decided to go the complete opposite route. And because I never quote unquote sowed my wild oats, I had this, I just had this desire to all of a sudden be the exact opposite of who I was the previous years before. And I turned into this party girl, this like clubbing girl. So <laughs> I had a job that was managing a chiropractic office and I was getting paid the, the most I had ever gotten paid at that point in time. And I ended up moving out and moving into my own little townhouse in, in Scottsdale. It wasn't quite, if you're familiar with Arizona, it wasn't quite Old Town, which is like where the clubs are at and stuff, but it was right around that. So I just wanted to live the single life, clubbing, clubbing every weekend. I was making this money, so I wanted to spend it on that, on freaking Ubers and bar tabs and why, I don't know. <laughs> if I could talk to that girl, I would tell her, put that money in your savings. I don't know why you're spending it here, but I needed that experience. I needed to get that experience out of my system. So that's what I did for maybe a year. I don't really know. And that is where I met my next relationship. Uh. <laughs> that is where I met my next serious relationship. And this is one we met at a club. It was, it was, I cannot fault this person because it was the place that I was in mentally. I was 
what, in 25 at that time, I want to say, 24, I don't really know, 24, 25. And that was, again, I was young. I didn't know who I was. I was so insecure. I was so insecure. I was so lost. Yes, I had this job that was paying me, but I didn't know. I am someone that if you you can't tell from <laughs> knowing me this far is that I have to do something besides make money. I want to do something. I want to wake up every day the way that I woke up this morning and couldn't sleep last night. That's the way I want to feel all the time. So if I'm just making, and uh, if I'm just making money to make money, I feel really unfulfilled. And so I was at that point in my life where, where I didn't know what I was doing, didn't know what I wanted with my life, just felt lost, just felt confused. And I was just I wasn't doing I wasn't doing any of my own work. I wasn't doing any kind of self-work. And so the relationship that I attracted that I was in for maybe a year and a half at that time, I don't really remember. It's not to fault the person I was in a relationship with, but he had a lot of his own set of problems. I had my own set of problems. It was very, in my perspective, looking back, very unhealthy, very toxic. I don't, I don't want to it, it, it was, it just was so unhealthy, like in the simplest of terms, so unhealthy. And there was, it, it's so hard to talk about it without wanting to, again, I don't ever want to ruin someone's because that, that you cannot, what, especially like after the forgiveness episode, what's so important for me to communicate is that I cannot judge someone or sum them up based off of the person, the version of them that I knew that many years ago because I'm not the same person. So if they are doing that to me, it's like, well, I'm not that person anymore. So how how can you put me in that box? How can you, how can you say that's who I am? That's not who I am. And that's what's so important about forgiveness that as unhealthy and toxic as our relationship was, that was that person, I have no idea because we didn't stay in contact. That person could be completely different. I don't care. I don't know. I am completely different. I know that. I know people grow. So it's all just to say it was, in the simplest of terms, really, really unhealthy. Just so consistently unhealthy. And after we had broken up, once we had broken up, that is when I went and entered into therapy for the first time since I was 15 years old. I had went to therapy, I think when I was 15, 16 years old, I'd asked my mom to take me because I was struggling with my eating disorders. My parents were getting divorced and I just wanted an outlet to talk to. And I really loved therapy and having just a third party perspective. And I hadn't gone, I waited 10 more years to go back into therapy. So I went into therapy again and found the most amazing therapist that was recommended, referred to me from other friends who had worked with her. And I loved working with her. She created such a beautiful safe space and she knew so much. She knew it was so cool because she, she knew about these modalities that I'm so familiar with now as far as astrology. And it's like, I can't even just, she knew so many things but was also, I mean, obviously clinically trained and just so smart and intelligent. And it was, it was just such a beautiful experience for the first time to have this space to really go in and do this inner work. And that was when I had my fitness studio and I was just freaking drowning in finances and debt. And it was so, it, it was just such, again, it wasn't just, the breakup was the easy part because I knew, I knew how unhealthy it was. And I think especially telling a third party the stories I could see, I was reflected back how unhealthy it was. So that was the easy part. It was just this, again, being in this phase of my life where my business was, I was drowning in my business. I, but I thought this is what I wanted. This, this was what I wanted. It's not to say I thought that. That is what I wanted at the time. That business is exactly what I wanted at the time. And our wants and desires change and grow and evolve. And I felt really confused about not wanting it anymore and struggling so hard financially. And I was so damn young and naive to have a brick and mortar studio and have no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Again, looking back, (laughs) it's like... I would, I if I could talk to that person, that 26-year-old, I'd be like, get a mentor. I'll mentor you. Like, you can't do this on your own. That's okay that you can't do this on your own. You know nothing about running a brick-and-mortar studio. Oh, my gosh. But, again, it was the beautiful experience that I was meant to have, and I'm so grateful for it. So, from that time on, after that relationship ended, I was, I think, around 
around 26 years old, 26, 27, I, for the first time in my life, I felt like, I was going to say, I'll say 27 because I didn't date right away. Or did I? <laughs> or did I? <laughs> I did. I don't think it was right away. It was a few months afterwards. It wasn't quite the first time I had waited like a year. This time I waited a few months. And this time I did not go back to the, I was not in the clubbing scene anymore. Let me be clear about that. This time though, because I was going to therapy and working on myself and finding these tools that were really supportive of discovering myself and building that confidence that I never had, I I allowed myself, I gave myself permission to, to date around and at this point in time in my life too, it was it was a confusing time because I was having fun and I was dating I was dating some really cool guys. Not at the same time. I can I am I also want to communicate. I remember I had friends at the time who were who would say you should you should talk to more than one guy at once, like you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. And that may work for some people, but I am not that person. I don't know if it is my cancer son. I don't know what it is. But I can't do that. I can give one person energy and that is it. Anything more than that is overwhelming, too much, and and if I got hurt for it, that's okay. But that was who I that is who I was and who I am today. I can I just don't have that ability. So if you are similar, believe me, I relate to that. So I was dating guys like one at a time and they were really, really cool and like so different from one another. I was a brewer and a chef and just a baker and they were all so, it was just a really cool experience to date really, some of them were, some of them were really, really great and that I still stay in touch with now, or at least I would say like one of them, (laughs) I would say that I have more of like a friendship with because we had a friendship prior to us dating and the rest of them I do not stay in touch with, but they were really cool experiences to have in different age ranges of being much older than me or just what <laughs> younger than me, much older than me. And it was a really cool time in my life to to give myself that freedom to experiment with dating in a in a healthier way. Like I had never really dated in a healthy way of allowing myself to do that and not in a way where I was letting the other person's identity define me. I was still finding myself. So I think I was still, what is that called? I was still influenced a bit, but I was, I was really dating from a place for the first time more of empowerment. I wouldn't say I was completely empowered at that point in time, but more of it. And it was just fun. I was having fun. And I also want to acknowledge that around that time, around 27, 28, this is when I also started to struggle just with I was going through these thoughts because I had moved to a really cool, really, really cool downtown Phoenix art district studio apartment with like the stained concrete floors. And it was just a sweet spot that I got. So I've been so lucky with all of the places that I've lived in because I've gotten them under budget and like really cool aesthetics and the exact aesthetic that I was looking for. And so this was the experience in the chapter that I needed in my life. And I was in this position of having this cool studio. I had my business and I was dating around, but I had different, I never thought, I always thought I was going to be one of those people that got married from a young age and had a family from a young age. And that was like the most important thing to me. And I was friends with really, 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 really incredible women at the time that I just hold so much love in my heart for and admiration in in my heart for because they were, I I was so, I was still so immature to listen to advice or to take it in or really, really cherish those as much as I should have looking back now completely. But they had a lot of what I wanted and I just felt so, sometimes I just felt so sad by that, that I wasn't in this committed partnership, that I didn't have a family, that I didn't have a house, that I didn't have, I wasn't where I thought I would be. I thought I would be somewhere totally different at 27, 28 years old. And on, I, I felt really sad by that. And as you know, from the previous episodes, if you've listened, I started to kind of push everyone away at that point. I closed down the fitness studio. So again, I was hitting one of those chapters in my life where I, I was lost and so confused and didn't know what the next step was. And so I got that remote job and I really pushed everyone away and hurt people and was just hurting myself 
But the clarity came through that instead of looking at my life as if I'm not where I want to be, I'm not where I thought I would be, I'm not where I thought I would be, I reframed it as I have nothing tying me down. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a partner. I don't have kids. I don't have, I don't have, yes, I don't have the things I thought I would have. But what if I looked at that as freedom, that this is the time in my life then to do all the things that I want to do and not wait for a partner or wait for that person that I can do whatever I want. I have that freedom. I can do whatever I want. Why not be selfish? I have a job that allows me to work from wherever. <laughs> Why not be selfish? So that's when I got the hit to move into nature. That's when I listened to it. You know the story if you listen to episode one. And I moved here. I was here. And the first, the second day that I moved here. So I knew Daniel lived on the ranch before I moved here. And I had looked at his Facebook a bit because I was, I made sure to research everyone before I moved here because I wanted to make sure that I was safe, okay? I wanted to make sure, if I was moving alone, I wanted to make sure that I was safe and I wasn't also getting bamboozled. So I did my research. So I had seen his like Facebook profile before, but he, <laughs> I'm laughing because now it's like, yeah, he's horrible at social media. He doesn't, he's not, he, which I love. I have dated the guy. I've also dated the guy that took beautiful selfies and beautiful pictures. And listen, <laughs> if you're listening, ladies, if you hear me, those guys are dangerous. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not all of them. The ones I've experienced, those are the ones you want to look out for. Okay. <laughs> Especially if they're Scorpio. So <laughs> he, Daniel did not have good pictures on there. So I couldn't tell if he was cute or what. So I moved here. And the second day that I was here, so the first day I moved in all by myself, the second day I was here, I had gotten his number from my landlord and he was going to come up uh, and he was going to come up here for something, and he asked uh, if it was a good time to meet my dog so that they could get more comfortable, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, sure, that works. And I'm just, you know, no makeup, hair up. I don't even, I actually do know what I was wearing, and it was just slob kebab because I was, I did not come out here to date anyone. I came out here to be an independent woman that was following her dreams and not waiting for anyone else, so to live those dreams. So he came into the the yard and I went out and met to meet him. And it was just that moment of feeling like I had known him all of my life. Like my soul recognized his soul in the simplest, I guess, of ways that I can describe it. And it was really jarring and wasn't for the first few weeks, I was trying to process if it was just purely physical attraction. Was I just really attracted to him? Because I don't get that feeling often. It is very, very, very rare that a lot of times I can see someone that I know is attractive. Like, yeah, I can see that you're attractive. Um, like, I can see that, but I'm not attracted to you. So I was trying to decipher, am I, am I just attracted to him physically? Either way, I'm not here to date. So, and I'm certainly not here to date the person that lives on the same property as me. Heck no. Heck no. And I still, I wanted to continue, I really wanted to continue the self-work on myself. And so, and I had been doing so, I had stopped dating before I moved about probably six months, six to eight months. I had completely stopped dating. So for the first few months, the first three months that I was here, Daniel would invite me to go hang out with him down by the river or with his friends. And I would always say no. One, because I was working all the time. And two, because I knew that I felt an attraction to him. I didn't, I didn't want to, I, I, I didn't want to date him and I didn't want to be around him. So I always said no. And he also had a friend that was a female that I I had assumed, because I didn't get to know him or them, that I had assumed that they were dating. So I was like, I'm not about to go. If I'm a, if I think you're cute, I'm not about to go down there with you and this, this girlfriend or this girl that comes and visits you. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. I don't know who you think I am, but I'm not that girl. So I pushed him off for a few months and I remember he he was persistent. He and not in like a dating way. Like he was just friendly. He's just a friendly, caring man. And he would just invite me to come hang out. Like he would still ask me. He would ask me less and less. And one time after about three months, 
I he had invited me to go with him to the area that he works in Thin's Trees. And we had hung out a couple times. So I had said yes a few times. I didn't say yes, no. And it was always in a group setting. And I think we had hung out alone one time. And I had also, so I had also started to test the waters and I'd asked him to like, help show me how to split wood. And, and I was also kind of like putting, I thought I was, I was, I was putting the signs out. I was putting the signals out. And I still kind of had that, those old, those old ridiculous thoughts of like, he should be the one pursuing me. So I thought I was putting the vibe out, asking him to like, show me how to split wood. And he wouldn't make a move. He would sit far away from me. He would keep space. He was never flirty. He was like, he was not picking up what I was putting out. And so finally he asked me to go up with him into the woods this one day. And I said, yes. And we had to go on his four-wheeler down this, this like steep hill. And I, for whatever reason that day was being so stubborn and I didn't want him to think that I was into him at all. I was like, you know, I've been putting on the signs and he's not been picking them up. So I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna touch him. So I was holding on to this four-wheeler for dear life on the back. (laughs) And after this experience, we've talked about it now. And he's like, this woman's about to die. Like she's so disgusted with me. She won't even touch me that she's gonna die. Because you have to hold on to the person that's driving the thing so you don't fall off this going down this steep hill and I was so stubborn that I held on to the back for dear life for whatever reason did not fall off somehow and we laugh about it so much now and spending that day together alone and just watching like the way he lit up about the work that he does and he's just was so funny and we just had different deeper conversations that as we were he had to drive me back where my car was parked at the end of this day and I just remember that was the first time I really allowed myself that I I have feelings for this person. This isn't just a physical attraction. It's been a few months. And there was also this point that I got to right before this that I had been doing this self-work and, and really exploring myself and building that relationship with myself that you kind of get to this point in this self-work journey, whatever that looks like for, for you, whatever tools you use, that you can build up the toolkit on your own only so much to a certain extent that at a certain point you have to go and take those tools into the real world into experiences that are going to challenge you and ask you to grow because you can't do that all on your own you just can't so i had built up this toolkit and i was now ready to go out into the world and start dating with them and because it's going to bring up all it's going to the things you think you fully healed are going to come up and say hey what about this little area you didn't think about oh you left me over here and that's that's beautiful it doesn't mean we're we're like oh i thought i worked on this a lot of heal this no that's part of the human experience that's part of the healing journey that you weren't ready to look at that part of you yet that you that your nervous system that your you just weren't ready for that yet and so when you go out into the real world and with these and, and experiences i want to say it's not that you're not in the real world it's just now you're going out and experimenting there's going to be the la- there's different layers that are going to be accessed that you couldn't have accessed purely on your own so i was at that point where i was ready so i had let daniel know after that day i i because again i was putting out the signals he wasn't picking up i didn't understand why i had i, I and i was still i was like you know what i'm not going to be that person that he needs to pursue me this is, I, I feel, I feel something about this and I want to know, I want to know that does he view me as just a friend so I can, so I have an answer or does he see me, is there any potential for something different? And so I had let him know that, hey, I think I have feelings for you. I have a crush on you. I don't know if you know this, like, am I in the friend zone or is this mutual? And it was mutual. So from there and he had no idea and still to this day if I see women hitting on him he is so oblivious to flirting it is hysterical (laughs) it is so funny he's so oblivious to it which I really love and admire about him and he's just been the most honest truthful person from day one from that moment on he has been so truthful and honest and there was never any games there was never there was never any games it was full transparency from the second we started talking in that way from the second it started being romantic and he was so respectful and we didn't even kiss for a few weeks after that point and I remember I was getting so impatient because I and it was such a learning experience for me because I was like why am I rushing this intimacy like why am I rushing that part and that was 
because that's what I was, I wanted to get to the intimacy. And I was like, no, the intimacy is getting to know each other and taking this slow. And it doesn't matter what pace you take things at, but that was just, there was so many lessons that came up for me, especially in the beginning. And again, I want to share that I, we have cultivated a deeply loving one why I share the truthfulness and honesty part and transparency with him is because I've never had that I've never dated anyone who didn't play games to an extent who you couldn't text them back right away like you needed to be a little mysterious and I've never dated anyone where it was full transparency full honesty zero games so I didn't even know that was possible I didn't know that was possible I didn't know that was possible he was never talking to anyone else there was it's just, the other thing that I want to say is that what we have now has taken communication too, because in the beginning, yes, I was at a different point in my life and I had a different maturity and different skill set and I had been doing this self-work. But like I said, new layers came up when we started dating where I wasn't used to someone being so truthful. So at first, I would feel that I would feel scared by that. Like that used to scare me in the beginning where he would be so honest and blunt. And I would, I know I've shared this before, but I would create stories based on my past dating experience of like, oh, he's doing this based off this, like screw this, blah, blah, blah. And instead I had to show up in this relationship in a way that I've never showed up before, where before in previous relationships, I would avoid conflict. I would shut down. I wouldn't talk to the person. I would hide from it. I would run from it. I would ice them out. And this, I always said that if I'm going to enter this, I'm going to do it differently. I have to do it differently. And so that meant when I'm uncomfortable talking about something, I talk about it with him. Hey, it hurt my feelings when you did this. And Daniel listens every single time, every single time. And the same thing goes for him. He, we have space to have those honest conversations where if I, if I did something that hurt him unintentionally, he has the space to say that. Or if I, if he has said something that, or done something that has hurt me, I have the space to share that. And the other person listens and takes action from that space. That is something that I admire so much about our relationship is that if I bring up something that is bothering me or that hurt me, Daniel will listen and then take action steps to to do differently and do better. And it's it's such it's just so reciprocal and I never thought that could exist and it's always felt so easy with us. It's always felt so easy. And yes, there's challenges or miscommunications that had to come up, especially in the beginning, as you're learning to navigate how the other one communicates, because that's a dance too in the beginning. Yes, you have all the butterflies and the attraction and like the lust and and all of that, but you're also learning how the other person communicates and how when conflict arises, how the other person deals and navigates with conflict. And so that was a learning curve that we both had to take. And it's only been, what, a year and a half now that we've been dating a little over a year and a half. But I'm just, I'm so grateful to be to be in this partnership with him. And I'm so grateful for him. And, and everything with us has taken time. Like we didn't rush into talking about marriage and children and buying a house like that took a lot of time for us to get to those places because he had to feel comfortable and I had to feel comfortable we've always just honored where the other person is at and it's all to say that no matter where you're at I think especially maybe I would say especially if you're going through a breakup or you're single and it's I just want to shed light that coming from relationships and coming from myself being so insecure and so needing to be validated by someone else and and that I would rather, I, I would do anything to feel loved. I was that person that I would do anything to feel loved, even if that meant being in a really toxic, toxic relationship. If that meant that I somehow got love out of that, even if it was unhealthy, that I would stay in it. And getting to a point where that's, that is completely dissolved and doesn't exist and being in a partnership that is healthy and reciprocal and trusting and communication and loving and supportive and although what Daniel and I we're so different in so many ways and we're similar in other ways and but we're similar in the ways that are important right we have the same belief systems on children and marriage and communication and 
our future. I don't think I could be with someone who, like, I have the space to talk about wanting to have land to have animals. And he supports those dreams and to be homesteading. And I support his dreams of wanting to travel a bit more. Like, I want us to have the finances to have this beautiful homestead, but to also be able to travel because that's really important to him. And it's just we're we're similar on the ways that are that matter the most is what I'm trying to say. And the ways that we're not similar where I'm in the digital world, he is completely in the natural world. And sometimes it feels like like I laugh my ass off trying to teach him something on technology. <laughs> the computer or on his phone because it's literally like teaching an 80-year-old man how to use technology. But I love that about him because I don't want someone... Believe me, I, (laughs) when I was a farmer, I was dating a farmer. When I was a personal trainer, I was dating a personal trainer. Like, I don't want to date the same person as me. I don't want to take on their identity. We have two different identities and I want there to be space to celebrate both of those. And, and although that means I don't quite understand I mean, we talk about this all the time with our jobs is when we're telling each other about our days is I'm using terms like like SEO and sales funnels. Oh, and I'm setting up this technology and this app and this like webinar. And like I'm using things that don't make any sense to him. And when he's talking about what he does, which I can't even regurgitate, they don't make sense to me. And and that's OK. I love that we do different things. And there are. It, yeah, I just <laughs> I'm really, really grateful and I feel very, I want to use the word lucky because I am, because literally the way that we met, and this is how I know I was always supposed to be here. I I tell that Dan, I tell Daniel that all the time when he, because he can be not as optimistic about the house hunt as I am sometimes or just about certain things and the same, and we go through our ebbs and flows and when he's not feeling as optimistic, I remind him like, I found this place, Daniel. I I somehow found this place and we somehow found each other. So anything is possible. Anything is possible. If I was able to find this place, I had never been here. It was a blip on the map. Somehow I was brought here. And that's why I always say I didn't find this place. I, I reframe. I didn't find this place. This place found me. And I know it brought me towards him. And I, I, I'm not saying that you need to make a giant move to go find your person. Because what happened was I listened to my own heart and my own compass for the first time ever, perhaps ever, 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 ever. And that never felt scary. Making that move never, ever felt scary because I knew it was what was in alignment for me. I knew that. I was making this decision out of alignment. So it never felt scary. And it's led me, it's trans, this move has been, besides farming, the most transformative thing I've ever done in my life. It's brought me to my partner and my person. It's brought me to the place that I'm going to settle down and plant roots in. It's changed me as a person forever. The the groundedness and the confidence that I have that I never had before. So much of that comes from making that big move, trusting in that, and finding myself here. It's been so healing on so many levels, living in nature and I literally, my person literally showed up on my doorstep. I was not an app person, a Tinder person, a Bumble person. They felt really inauthentic to me and I always honored that. And you can honor the things that make you different. You don't have to do it the way everyone's telling you that you should. And I know it can feel, I know it can feel lonely or scary or sad or But I just, if you are in that position of being single or just having a breakup, that you really lean into this time in following that inner compass that's yours, that perhaps reframing it in a way of this is liberating and freedom and you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do and just use this time to be selfish. Whether you want to have children or a partnership later on in life, This is your time for you. You can be as selfish as you want and you are deserving of that. You are so deserving of that. So I want to end it here. I know this was a longer conversation, so I hope you, (laughs) I hope you enjoy just chit-chatting with me about relationships. There's so much more we could say, but I'm going to cap it here and remember that if you take a moment, please, 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 please pause, hold on. 
go follow. If you're not already following this podcast, please make sure you're followed, subscribed. It's really, really helpful. It's the least you could do if you're listening every week. Please, you get the first to know about the up, uh, uh, when a new episode comes out. And it's just, it's really important, not just for me, any small business that you follow. If you are listening to their podcast, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. It takes you two seconds. I will reward you with the reviews. Take a screenshot of the review, send, email it to me, hello at caitlincuriosity.com, and I will gift you the Coffee Tonics and Herbal Powders Workshop so you can join the, the Chamomile Coffee community, which I just, oh, I love it. Oh, There's so many non-caffeinated versions of the Chamomile Coffee happening this week that I, so it was made sans coffee, but the Chamomile Tonic, that I loved getting to witness, and I just want to gift you in return for taking the time to do it, but just know beyond me, any business you listen to, please, it is so helpful for us. And right now we're at 45 star reviews. So it's, it helps this business grow. If you want more people to hear this and reach this without you having to do anything except taking a second to leave a review, to give five stars, to give four stars, to give whatever it may be, subscribe, follow. Thank you so much. So I will, (laughs) I lost my train of thought. I'm so grateful that you are here and I will talk to you next week.